Welcome to MTG Ectoplasm, your home for spirit travel and magic the gathering. I'm your host, Dwight, aka D Blanco, a medium that wears an extra extra large. You can reach out to me on Twitter at MTG Ectoplasm, or you can email me directly at MTG Ectoplasm at gmail.com. Let me know how am I doing? Am I doing a good job, a bad job, or I shouldn't quit my day job? Now, like I ask each and every single episode, hit that follow like subscribe button i don't know where it is i don't know what platform you're using but if you do me a favor because of these algorithms i need you to hit that follow like subscribe button i don't care if you're watching on youtube twitch uh twitter facebook or if you're listening on spotify or apple or google podcast thank you for listening or thank you for viewing i 100 appreciate it but i need you to hit that follow like subscribe button and don't forget don't forget also my friends I'll tell your friends and family about the show because if you're liking the show, I guarantee if you like the show, they'll like the show as much as you do. Now, like I do each and every single episode, I bring in the one, the only, the individual who I call the ravishing one. She's the engineer of the show. She does all the wonderful graphics and uh, helps me come up with some creative ideas here and there for the show. So let's introduce the ravishing Renata. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How are you feeling, Ravishin? I'm feeling quite well. You're excited about this episode? Yes, I am. You seem to be ter- terribly excited on every single episode we get to do. <laughs> Magic the Gathering is just so exciting. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you know you hit that uh, little thumb, thumb, you know, thumbnail that you hit uh, before you got to the show, you know what we're going to be discussing. Uh, this is a particular deck that has been a bane to many uh, spirit pilots, especially in Pioneer. Now, I know some of you in Modern going, hey, why aren't you focusing on uh, what's going on in Modern? And it's because of this, ladies and gentlemen. Ready? Uh, they're starting the uh, Pro Tour events at, or at your local LGS. Sorry, local. Uh, at your LGS. And they're primarily focusing on Pioneer, not Modern. So I want to make sure, if you're picking up the Spirits deck, it doesn't matter if you're using mono blue snow if you're using azorius or bands i want you 100 percent prepared so you can kick kick names and take ass or take ass and kick names i don't know how it works but one or the other you know i want you to be 100 percent prepared when it comes to playing against uh mono green devotion i almost forgot about the deck that i was going to do because i have several deck ideas because you know there are two decks primarily that are pain in the ass uh, this is one of them. And then one that, uh, let me just tell you, uh, Lead Shredder is now primarily uh, an issue. So we're, I'm going to get to that one as well. But today, tonight, we're really focused on Mono Green Devotion. So Ravishing, why don't we bring up the deck list so anybody, anybody and everybody can see what we're talking about. So Mono Green Devotion is this. They're in, running 18 creatures. That's right, 18. They're running uh, two uh, Polo Kronos. God forbid, excuse me for not pronouncing this correctly. Then they're running four old growth trolls, four landwar elves, four elvish mythic, and then four cavalier of throne uh, thorns. Okay, that's just the basic creatures. Sorcery, they're running four storm of the festival. Then finally, they got enchantments, eight of them. They got four wolf willow haven and four oath of nissas. There's a reason why oath of nissas in there. And let's go directly to the Planeswalker so you can see why. They're wanting one Nyssa 
who shakes the world one vivian arcbo ranger three kiara behemoth beckoner that's a key card right there i want you to remember and then four karn the great creator now if i'm just telling you it doesn't take a, a scientist to figure this out. This should be common sense by now. Anybody who's playing magic or competitive magic, whenever you see Karn, the great creator, it's going to work in two different ways. They're going to either turn your land, uh, turn your deck into artifacts so you can't play nothing, or they're running what they call a Karn package in the sideboard. We're going to get to that sideboard in a minute, but we still got 21 lands we go over. They're running one Baseju who endures. Well, why not? It's one of the chase rares that came from Kamigawa, right? Then you got one Overgrown Tomb, two Lear of the Hydra, four Nykthos Shine to, uh, Shrine to Nyx. Key card here, ladies and gentlemen, key card. Then 13 Force. Now, finally, we're going to get to the sideboard. Now, this is where I told you, remember how I said the Karn package. Here's the par- Karn package with the exception of two cards. Ready? And I'll, I'll give you the two cards right now. It's Kinsworth's tra- uh, Transformation. Basically, what Kinsworth's Transformation does, it's just a simple, easy card. It's an uh, enchant creature that basically when you when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Ooh, right? For two mana. Not bad. But then it goes, enchant creature loses all abilities, and it's a L creature with base power of 3-3. Three, three. Okay. So basically, it takes a big baddie off the battlefield for, uh, against them because their creatures are going to tend to be a little bit bigger than the 3-3. Three, three. You're going to see in the in a bit uh, what's going on. Then here comes the Karn package, exactly. One Unlicensed Hearse, one Treasury Vault, one uh, Tormach Crypt, one Sky Sovereign Council Flagship, key card here, one Shadow Sphere, another key card, Pithing Needle, not really a key card for against us. One persistent cauldron, not persistent against us. Ma, uh, uh, meteor golem, meh, okay. God fear a statue, potential key card against us. One dampening sphere, and then three graph stickers cage. Graph stickers cage, we could care less about since we're not running any of those wonderful spirits that they decided to give us in. Uh, and in Estrad when it came to uh, Midnight Hunt or uh, the Crimson Vow. So that's the deck list. The deck list is, can we be honest with one another? It looks slow and bulky. Now you're going to go, Dwight, well, if it's slow and bulky and it's not a combo deck, why does this deck tend to have issues? Or why do we spirits, let me rephrase that, why do spirit pilots tend to have issues against it? Well, let's take a further deeper dive, shall we? Now, what we're going to see in the next slide here is that we're going to see they're running uh, two, uh, sorry, the four mythic uh, elvish mythics. Sorry, I'm having trouble speaking. Four elvish mythics. They're running four Lanoir elves. That's their mana dorks. They're trying to accelerate their board state. So in their early... uh, phases of the game turn usually one two potentially even three they're trying to set up so they can start pushing bigger and bigger creatures and try to make sure that they can come out um and basically steal the victory from you because basically as a spear pilot i want to give you the keys to victory but our goal generally against the 
our goal generally what we want to do against this deck is to spit out creatures quickly and smash 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 now you're gonna go wolf willow haven it's a two mana uh enchantment land and basically whenever you tap a land it taps for an additional green now the second ability on it is a four and one green where you sacrifice wolf wolf willow haven and you create a two two wolf creature token meh they're never going to use that realistically unless you're you're doing a board wipe and right now spirits in our sideboard we're not really having any board wipes realistically and honestly now we'll look at the next slide and what do we have oh there it is nixthos the shrine to nix and it only makes sense that this card would be in the deck why because it's a green devotion deck okay if you're new to magic okay and don't know what devotion is let's read this card for you so you can have a general understanding shall we you it's a legendary land so you can only have one in play and what happens is you tap one you add one colorless mana to your mana pool Ooh. okay enough of the excitement right this is where the card really comes in too generic and you tap it choose a color realistically we're playing green so the only color we're really choosing they're choosing honestly is green add to your mana pool an amount of mana that color equal to your devotion to that color so basically it says more let's read more shall we your devotion to a color is the number of mana symbols of the color in the mana cost of permanence you control so say if your board has two mana okay two green mana symbols you tap two green in this it produces two green mana if there's four green mana symbols you tap two in the green this taps now for four mana so on and so forth you go to let's say six or seven there's six or seven mana symbols out there you tap this for two in it you're getting six to seven green mana so basically you're building your board state slowly by putting stuff out there just that's i want you to hear that out they're building their their base they're 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 starting the game very slowly to eventually start doing something in the long run this is where our keys to victory are going to come up shortly so what happens next let's look at the next card the the next slide and this is it these are their beaters ready you got old growth troll jesus truly struggling tonight right ravishing so old growth troll basically old growth troll is this it's three green mana Okay, this fits perfectly in their devotion deck, right? It's a 4-4 creature and it has trample. Why would they want trample? Because they know the only way they're going to come in and do any damage is killing your creature and then superseding the damage. Basically, Old Growth Troll reads, whenever Old Growth Troll dies, if it was a creature, return it to the battlefield. It's an aura enchantment with Enchant Forest. Interesting, right? Enchant Forest has add two green mana okay that's not bad so it basically ramps up a land if it dies now there's still more ready and tap one generic and itself sacrifices land create a tapped four four creature a green troll warrior creature token with trample 
So great. Basically, this is what they're telling us. Ready? If this bad boy or bad girl dies, guess what happens? It gets removed from the graveyard. And what happens? It enchants a land to make it ramp more. And if you choose by just tapping a generic in it, oh, you get a 4-4 troll with trample. Great. I figured you would you you would agree with me there going oh that that that's no point now. Now the next card they have there is a card that I truly struggle reading, a card that I truly struggle pronouncing, and that's Pulcrinos World Eater. Two generic and two green, a five five legendary creature Hydra. Now usually four minute you know four mana for a five five not bad. I mean, old growth shows what three uh, three green mana and four four, really not bad. But let's, let's keep on reading. Tap X and X. They have to be equal, and a green mana. Monstrosity X. If this creature isn't monstrous, that means if you didn't play the cost originally, put X plus one plus one counters on it, and it becomes monstrous. Okay. Great. Ooh, you, you, you spent more mana to make it bigger. Congratulations. But this is the problem with it. Ready? When Pulchronos, World Eater, becomes monstrous, remember this part, it deals X damage divided as chosen among a number of target creatures your opponent controls. Each of those creatures deals damage equal to its power to Pulchronos. So, the gift giveth and the gift taketh away. Basically, the more you they put monstrosity behind it, they can kill more creatures on your end. And oh, what happens? Oh, well, it sucks the Pulchronos dies, but I basically killed your entire board state, and now I have all my big fatties coming in and smashing you in the head. <sighs> Now let's look at the next card, shall we? This is the friend called Cavalier of Thorns. Cavalier of Thorns is two generic and three green mana. It's a 5-6 elemental knight. Okay, not bad. Five mana, 5-6, okay. But it has reach. Thanks, Wanty, for screwing spirits over. What's reach do? It allows it to sit there and block flying creatures last time i checked it's an elemental doesn't fly can it potentially can reach over but it's a knight and knights don't reach for nothing except for swords thanks watsy shall i continue let's continue reading this card whenever cavalier of thorns enters the battlefield enters reveal the top five cards of your library okay what are we looking at here Put a land card from among them onto the battlefield and the rest into your graveyard. Doesn't seem that bad, right? But if guess what? If they don't have Nykthos onto the battlefield, they can just grab the Nykthos and boop, right onto the battlefield. And now you got to think about it. You tap two and Nykthos. There's already that three gener that three green mana there. Nykthos is producing three green. Yeah. No bueno. Those are the beaters. So we've seen the mana dorks, which allows them to ramp. 
We've seen the Nykthos that helps them provide the devotion. And these are your devotion cards here. And they're beaters. Sounds and looks pretty bad, right? Now let's keep on looking, shall we? Oh, what do we got here? This is what I like to personally call the pseudo-tutors. Why? Because technically speaking, they're not tutors, but it allows us to look at the top of their library. Hey, Ravishing, do me a favor. Read Oath of Nyssa for me. Legendary enchantment. When Oath of Nyssa enters the battlefield, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature, land, or planeswalker from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast planeswalker spells. Well, look at that, ladies and gentlemen. You look at the top three cards of your library, and you guess what? You can pick a land or a planeswalker or a creature. Hmm. Not bad. So see if they didn't have a particular fatty that they're wanting to put on the board, board state. They can get it instantaneously. If there's a planeswalker they desperately needed, which you'll see in a bit, they can get it. Or, like I said before, if they didn't have Nykthos, this is the opportunity for them to get Nykthos. And because you can do it on turn one, it actually helps out Devotion. Hmm. Then comes Storm the Festival, which is three generic, three green mana, sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. Once again, a pseudo-tutor. You may look... Sorry, you may put up to two permanent cards with mana value five or less from among them onto the battlefield. Five or less. Let's let's just take a small moment to review. Cavalier of Thorns is five mana. Polacros, World Eater, is four mana. Old Growth Troll is what? Three mana. So whatever your storm the fields, they're going to end up getting one of these three fatties. Unless they screwed up. Now, mind you, it's permanence too. It's not just creatures. So guess what? They have the potential of what? Getting the planeswalkers as well. We're going to take a look at them in a second. But hey, let's keep re- keep on reading the card. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. Lucky us, right? But then it does have flashback of 10. Seven generic and three green. Well, Nykthos is the key for them to get there. And I've yet. I've played against this deck. And I've yet to see the flashback being played. Because I usually kill or attempt to kill the opponent way before they can even get there. Now, if we look at the next slide, the next slide shows us what the Planeswalkers. That's right, Nessa, who shakes the world, this world shaker. Well, what I love about Nessa is Nessa itself is three generic and three green, and she has five loyalty. What's wonderful about this card for this deck is that whenever you tap a force, they add an additional green. For every forest, they tap. So not not only are they getting one mana, ladies and gentlemen, they're getting two mana. So if they have four mana on the battlefield, guess what? Now they're tapping it for eight mana. Pretty scary here. 
Now their plus one and plus one ability, sorry, their plus one ability is put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature. Uh, sorry, not uh, oh wow. Put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-land you control. Untap it. It becomes a zero zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste and still is a land. You know why I'm taking the time right here, ladies and gentlemen? Because it's a creature. It got bigger. It can attack that turn. And guess what? It doesn't tap. So guess what? It just attacked. It dealt its damage. And the best part is, oh, because it's a forest, it can tap for two green mana. Mm. Nessa is not only shaking the world, she's shaking my confidence here. Now, the negative eight ability, nobody's going to use. Nobody's going to give a rat's ass about. Because guess what? Oh, land you control become indestructible. They don't, they don't care. There's, there's no real true uh, land destruction deck currently out there uh, that most people are scared of. Not right now. Then you got Vivian Arcbow Ranger, one generic, and then three green, which helps out the devotion. Vivian reads plus one. Distribute two plus one plus one counters among two target creatures. Oh, great. So not only do those creatures, you know, are just a certain size. Oh, they got bigger. And then, oh, let me just see. Hmm. They gain trample. They gain trample. So that means, oh, they can just steamroll off us. Now, if we look at the negative three ability, right? The negative three ability says target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker. Well, we're playing spirits, ladies and gentlemen. They're not going to use it against planeswalkers. Why? Because we're not running any planeswalkers. What they're going to do is try to take out our creatures one other time in particular creatures that really bother them where we have the advantage. And then finally, the negative five, you may choose a creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it and put it into your hand. An ability that you know, I know, we both know that we're not going to see. We're not done with the planeswalkers yet. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? There are two more. And here they are. The first one you have is Kiora Behemoth. Beckoner, two generic and a Simic blue-green. Seven loyalty. I don't like this card. I don't like this card at all, and it fits so perfectly in their deck. Why? Because let's read the first line right there. Whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Well, the only creatures in this deck... That's not going to benefit from these is Landwar Elf and Elvish Mystic. Mythic. That's it. Elvish Mystic. Sorry. The rest of them are going to be four or greater. So whenever those creatures come in, oh, I get to draw a card. Now, the piece that is done, as the French would say, is the negative one ability. That guy doesn't have a plus ability, but negative one ability. And what sucks is even more, it has seven. Seven loyalty, so they can do it up to seven times. And that means untapped target permanent. 
So if they have a Nykdos in play and they have seven green devotion, oh, they tap it for seven green devotion. I can untap it with the Kiora. I use two of that seven mana, so it leaves me five floating. Tap it with the Nykdos, and guess what? Now I got seven more, so I have a total of 12 green mana to play whatever I want whatever my heart's desire and then if i add it on to the next card that's here it says Karn the great creator oof oof uh, that really sucks because like i said before Karn the great creator is used in two two different ways and the first way doesn't really matter to us because guess what activated abilities of artifacts that your opponent controls can't be countered But what comes in handy is the last two. Until your next turn, up to one target non-land artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to a converted mana cost. Okay. But we won't see that until the negative two. You may choose an artifact you control from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card and put that card in your hand. So remember how I stood there and told you the Karn package? That's sitting in their sideboard, ladies and gentlemen. That's where it has to be for them to use this card. Their sideboard is now a toolbox for Karn to use and abuse and to exploit. What makes this deck really fun and unique for people who play this deck is this. Build your board state slowly, grow, get to where you need to be. Put some badass creatures, let Karn come out there and shut the game down for your opponent. That's basically where this deck is going. Now, let me show you some of the key cards in Karn's package that will work against us, the spirit player, shall we? Let's take a gander. And we have here Sky Sovereign Council Flagship. Yep, this is a key card that I pulled out myself that I said, I don't like it. I, I'm not a fan of them using this card. It's five generic mana, legendary artifact uh, vehicle, six five. What doesn't bother me is the fact that it's a vehicle. Ooh, it's a vehicle. So they have to tap three toughness or sorry or power sorry to crew this thing okay not a problem but this is the key problem to this card ready let's read it's a flying six five creature so it can deal with our flyers that sucks whenever sky sovereign council flagship enters the battlefield remember that part or attacks it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls <clears throat> so what does that say to us what does that mean to us this is what it means ready it comes in the battlefield boom it destroys one of our creatures that sucks unless we have hexproof or we use uh selfless spirit but then oh what happens it attacks 
oh, because it attacks, oh, it does it again, does three more points of damage. And the fact that it's a 6-5 creature, it's going to try to come in and then we're blocking again. So it's basically wiping two creatures. And if we have if we have enough power at five to kill it, they're basically destroying three creatures at a shot. <coughs> That's awful. That's horrific. This is a key card that we got to keep an eye on. Now, the next card that I want to keep an eye on for is Godfearer Statue. Suppose your opponent casts, costs two more to cast. I don't like that because the fact that I'm playing a flash deck in both Bant, Azorius, and Mono Blue Snow because of uh, Rattle Chains, I want to play my creatures out as quickly as possible and not be limited by mana. And this here is allowing that to happen. And then the worst part is at the beginning of my end step or your end step, each opponent loses one life. Oh, great. So guess what? I'm being taxed plus two to play a spell and I'm getting punished because of the tax. It sounds like something our federal government does every day with like, oh, you die. Guess what? You still got to pay taxes. And then guess what? When your family gets your, uh, wonderful house or your knickknacks and doohickeys, they got to pay taxes on that. So you get taxed three times. Awful. You're going to Dwight. That's only twice when you bought the product too. That's when you get taxed. That's three times you get taxed on the same product. I don't know about you, but that's some BS. <coughs> and then finally shadow sphere, one generic legendary artifact equipment. Now you're going to go Dwight. Come on. Why is this card anything to us? What, what does this mean to us at all? Well, when you, when you equip this card, this equipment to a creature, it gets plus one, plus one. Okay. No, no biggie there. But the card or the creature then gets trample. So that means, guess what? No matter how much we block, Damage is going to spill over. Another part that really sucks about it is, is that they, that creature gets lifelink. They get their life back. We're banging away, doing torturous thing, beating them over the head over and over and over again. And guess what? They're getting life back instantaneously because guess what? Their creature's so huge. All the, you know, maybe two, three turns of damage and they got it back like that. That sucks. But then the other part of this card that I truly loathe is you tap one generic. Permanence your, oh, sorry, tap one generic. Permanence your opponent controls loses hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Hexproof and indestructible. What does that mean to us? Guess what? It screws up our rattle chains and it screws up what? Our selfless spirit. The two key cards that we basically need to make sure that we're doing stuff here. Oof. Now, ladies and gentlemen, have no fear, have no worry. We've seen this, uh, we've seen our decks 
spirits, shall I say. Mono Blue Snow, and we've seen it in Bantha. We have yet to see some a pilot and Azorius take lead, but we've seen these decks be able to beat the Mono Green deck, the deck that we struggle with. Okay, Zach Fink gave and said stories to us in, the, in our interview and explained how to beat this deck. I'm going to reinforce what he said. Remf, the Spirit Master of Brazil. Basically, I have I have paperwork here from him saying, Dwight, there's the keys to victory. We have the keys to victory. We can sit there and succeed. We can win against this deck. I'm going to show you how. I hope you're ready. Let's look at the next slide, shall we? Oh, what's this? All right, Ravishing, this is your moment to shine. Shine away. We have finally, um, we can now have our website and have launched our online store merch for MTG Ectoplasm merchandise. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're going to go, well, great, great moment, Dwight. You know, you, you got, yeah, yeah, got us a client and sinker. Do me a favor. I've had a lot of people call, you know, reach out to me from Brazil, Germany, uh, England to uh, Japan saying, hey, I want some merch. Guess what? Here you go. You get the MTG Ectoplasm. You can get the MTG Ectoplasm shirt, the IRL, which is a live show that we're probably going to do thir- uh, this Tuesday. Really good episode. You're going to check live. And then MTG Ectoplasm gameplay. You know, that's me playing MTGO live and having a great time doing it. And then guess what? Look what you got there. Oh, you got the coffee mug. Look at that coffee mug. And I guarantee, no, I can't guarantee it, but let me just tell you, nothing tastes better than, uh, you know, a beverage in an MTG Ectoplasm coffee mug. A spirited cup of coffee. Mm, it is definitely a spirited cup of coffee. You make a great gift for any of the MTG Ectoplasm dads out there. Oh, that's right. Father's Day is coming up. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Father's Day. You like how we did that, right? But now, now it's time where we get to the real meat and potatoes of the episode and how you can sit there and kick ass against mo- uh, the mono green. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mono green devotion deck. This is how you do it. Ready? This is from our friend Remf, the spirit master from Brazil. He's basically re- recommending this package to us portable hole. Now, some of you portable hole, why? Why would we want to add portable hole? This is why, ladies and gentlemen. Let's read it. Whenever a portable hole enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls with mana value 2 or less until portable hole leaves the battlefield. Basically, what you're doing is when you play portable hole, you're taking out their mana dorks. You want to slow down their pace of the game. Remember, we can flash in our creatures and come in and smash and smash and smash. Our goal is to slow the effect of what they do. Because the fact that they need their mana dorks and they need the Nykthos, we got to do everything in the power to just have them pump their brakes. The next card, Disdainful Stroke, a generic and a blue, an instant. Counter target spell with mana value four or greater. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Last time I checked, there's a lot of stuff in this deck that's pretty damn bad. Obviously, pull Kronos, the uh, world eater. And then what we, the uh, Cavalier of Thorns. Two key cards that I would say mm, keep an eye out for. Karn, another key card you want to keep an eye out for. 
just saying the, like these are things you want you know you know you're gonna want to go oh and i'll tell you one thing if you if you're playing in band and this this is a package for band here and you see kiora do not stop do not hesitate you bang out kiora you keep on smashing her do whatever you can to destroy her because guess what if nixo nixos hits the board state you're screwed you're screwed 110 percent then you have Catilda, Donhart, a martyr, a generic, and two white legendary sp- uh, legendary creature, spirit warlock, star star, flying lifelink protection from vampires. Realistically, we don't care about vampires here, but the cool thing is it has flying and it has lifelink. That means we gain life. Yay! When Kingdom when. Well, sorry. Catilda Donhart Martyr, power and toughness are equal to the number of uh number of permanents you control that are spirits and or enchantments. Well, since we're playing spirits, there's gonna be lots of them. So that's gonna be good for us because we get to draw we get to play, you know, or gain life. Then finally, dampening sphere for two generic mana. If a land would tap for uh, two or more mana, it produces generic mana instead. Other, uh, sorry, colorless mana of any. Uh, sorry, let me read that again. I know what it does. I just have a hard time reading. It produces colors instead of any other type and amount. So this is wonderful. So say if they have uh, Nykthos and it's producing all this. Oh no, it just produces one colorless oops if they have uh let's say nissa who shakes the world and is trying to add more green no sir well a wolf halo that that wolf what is that thing called uh uh wolf willow haven they thought they were they're getting two mana one colorless mana for you each spell a player cast costs one more to a cast for each other spell that player cast has cast this turn. So basically, it's good against uh, what's this uh, storm. But when it comes to this deck, they're trying to shoot as much as they can now. They can't put out immediately because of devotion. Dampening sphere is badass. Let me just tell you. Let me repeat that. Dampening sphere is badass against this matchup in Bant. Now, let me read to you what Remf sent me, okay? Thank you to Remf. The plan is not to be stopped by his ground creatures and deal with uh, the knight. You deal with the knight with Shacklegeist as quickly as possible because we're playing spirits here, right? Shacklegeist tends to sit there and go, hey, you're sending your fatties. Oh, no, no, no. I got my Shacklegeist. I'm tapping your bad boys down, and they're doing nothing. And then I'm going to fly over and hit you. You're going to do what on your turn? You think you're going to attack? Oh, no, I'm going to tap your fatties again. And I'm flying over. Bang, bang. I'm going to get the victory. So you want to do this as quickly as possible. You want to have Shekelgeist out as quickly as possible. Put a bowl always on elves or enchant land. Didn't I just say that before, ladies and gentlemen? 
The whole reason why you got these portable holes is you want to go after the mana dorks. You use the disdainful strokes to go after their fatty creatures or their planeswalkers. Kiltelda just basically allows you to gain life, and Dampening Sphere basically screws the the multiple mana they can produce on a land. Ah, Chef's Kiss. If possible, tap the elf to avoid Kira on turn two on the play. Do it. Just do it. That's what Ruffin's selling you here. Now let's look at what the next package is. This is for our Mono Blue Snow. This is coming from our friend from Zach, uh, who you know ended up winning the Pioneer Showcase Challenge. And there's talk. He's going to continue doing spirits. That's between me and you. Shh, don't tell anybody. If he believes in spirits, why aren't you playing it? Just saying. Now let's look, look at Aether Gust. Aether Gust here is a generic and blue instant. Choose target spell or permanent. That's green, or sorry, red or green. Its owner puts it on the top of their library. Oh, so basically this is a... Mm, remand unfortunately we don't get the draw card okay but then i'm taking a green creature or green permanent off the board state where they could be getting devotion mm, wonderful wonderful now let's look at the next card witness protection it's one blue mana if you don't get a place out of these ladies and gentlemen i recommend you getting them yesterday it's a moral imperative let's read enchant aura enchant creature enchant creature loses all not some all abilities and it's green and a white citizen creature it has power and toughness of one one and it's called a legitimate business person i wouldn't call him a legitimate per business person i'd call them a, a, a one one loser creature that's sitting there weeping in the corner because it was monstrous or huge and now it's a little little nothing oh poor thing weepy weepy we're like oh yeah just nothing more than a cricket nothing more than a cricket and then finally march of the swirling mist x and blue as an additional cost to cast a spell, you may exile any number of blue cards from your hand. Since you're playing Mono Blue Snow, there's going to be a lot of blue cards, right? This spell costs two uh, mana less to cast for each card exiled this way. Now, why are we going to be going, eh, why are we going to be tossing blue cards? Well, here it is. Ready? Up to X. X, target creatures, phase out. X. So I tap a blue, another blue, and I throw away a card. That's three three creatures. Three. Uno, dos, y tres. Three. What happens? While well, they're phased out, they they're treated as though they're fate. Hold on. I can't read that right there. Let me what's it read? Uh while they're phased out. They are treated as though they're they don't exist. Okay, that's wonderful. They don't exist. Each one phases in before its controller untaps during its next untap phase. I want to make sure I got that correctly for you. 
So they're attacking. Oh, they completely disappear because they were an attack and no longer on this plane. They're they're swirling around in the ether. And now they're twiddling their thumbs, ladies and gentlemen, because they can do nothing. And the best part is, oh, we have creatures in front of us, and now we're going to be attacking, uh, shall we say, full frontal, full frontal attack, and it's going to be wonderful. These are the key cards that are going to be beneficial, beneficial in mono blue snow. I know some of you are like, March of the Swirling Mist is not technically in the late last version of the mono blue snow build that Zach Fink had. You're right. You're 100% right. He had the Ottawara, but he was talking about the Ottawara should have been in the main deck and the March of Swirling Mist should have been in the sideboard. That's why I'm adding it on here, ladies and gentlemen. If you missed that episode with Mar- uh, with Zach Fink, yeah, I really need to go back and revisit because that Mono Blue Snow build deck is not only a good deck, it's a great deck, especially when it comes to spirits. And that's not besmirching my friend Remph, who's sitting there kicking ass and taking names with the band build. Like I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter which fl- which direction you want to go with spirits, you're going. There's a great chance of victory. There's two decks that have give us a hard time. That's this one here, Mono Green Devotion, and I'm showing you the ways that keeps the victory. I'm got it from the masters. I got it from the guys who beating these decks all the time. And the other one is Mono. Uh, what the Red Deck wins. And I'm going to bring that up. That's going to be the next deck I talk about next. The next time I do an episode. A Pioneer Breakdown. So, ladies and gentlemen, you tell me. Am I right or am I wrong? Reach out to me at mtgectoplasm at, uh, on uh, Twitter. Or you can email me directly at mtgectoplasm at gmail.com. And, and tell me your thoughts. How would you go about attacking this mono green devotion monster that bothers us the spear player i know ladies and gentlemen that you know these it's easy to sit there and grab the latest and greatest text the 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 ones that you know are making so much noise but if you stay true to yourself and straight to the deck and you know your deck in inside and out i can almost guarantee that you will almost win on you know, most of the time Shang Shu, like the guy who wrote Order War, used to say, you know what? If you know yourself and you don't know your opponent, you have a 50% of victory. If you know your opponent and don't know yourself, you have a 50% of your victory. But if you know your opponent and you know yourself, victory is almost 100% guaranteed. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know how to, you know what's in their deck. You see how the deck is formulated. Here and there, you're going to have players that are going to do little things. You're going to modify here and there and change things up. But majority of the time, it all stays the same. The whole, I hope and I pray that you win game one. But if you have to go to game two or game three, you have the substitutions. You have the key cards that allow you to get there and smash your opponent over and over again to get the victory. I believe in you. I Hopefully, you believe in yourself. Because I know the next time you're kicking your opponent's ass, I want you to tell them, and I want to hear from them. That's bullshit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching this episode, and I'll catch you guys next time. Enjoy.